Hello and welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. We have seen Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. And we have a guest with us. We today. do. Say hello. Hello. This, this is Matt. This is my mate Matt. And Jose's mate Matt. Friend yes. to all, really. <laughs> Friend to few. <laughs> but also to all. Uh, and he came with us. Uh, so maybe you should start. What did you did you have a good time? I had an I had an adequate time. Adequate. <laughs> yeah. I I I'm sort of still a little undecided on it, but I think I'm leaning towards not really having enjoyed it because I thought it was quite messy, and I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure that it's it's left the Star Wars saga in a better place than before it had started. Okay. Ah. So I don't Which, I don't know if. Oh. I don't know if it's really added too much other than that maybe a couple of thousand people have died <laughs> to the overall tale. It's interesting. Uh, we should say before we go on that obviously there's going to be heavy spoilers. We're going to talk about everything. Yes. Anything, anything, anything anyone says about Star Wars will be a spoiler. And obviously we're going to talk about a lot. Yes. So um, just that, that word As warning. is usual with us, we'll as spoil usual. your viewing pleasure. We must, <laughs> we, we must get a, a little jingle in place that goes, and there's going to be spoilers! <laughs> like um, anyway. So aside from whether it added or not to the Star Wars saga, did you have a good time watching it? Uh, in, parts, in parts I did. Uh. I think... I think that the the worlds were really sensitive this time, and I think that Star Wars very often doesn't doesn't do that. So I like that they kept it sort of relatively slick and tight, and there were maybe only four or five environments, and they were all done really, really beautifully well. Uh-huh. I thought that that was to its credit. Um, I thought that an awful lot of the action was really enjoyable, especially the the sort of one on one fight scenes, the lightsaber sequences. I thought that they were the sort of second to none. But then a lot of the other stuff in between, I just, I just didn't really sort of feel all that attached to. I uh, didn't warm to any of the characters uh-huh. particularly, okay. um, especially the ones that are sort of new to the story. Okay. Um, That's interesting because um, for me, I kind of, I felt it had the most attractive cast of any of the Star Wars films, actually. Physically attractive. No, just just in terms of um, you know being relatively human and appealing and mm. so on, right? Because obviously the the very first ones were because mm. you know Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher, you know, and the young Mark Hamill were kind of I don't know sparky, right? Like kind of you know they were fun to watch. Uh, since then, I mean, and particularly the middle ones, yeah, the, the, the prequels. It's like you know. And, and actually, I've often loved those actors. I've loved Ewan McGregor and other things. But he's so dull in that, right? And yeah. Natalie Portman, who I, I worship, you know, everything is dull in those films, really. Whereas, actually, I thought, you know, Adam Driver and John Boyega, and, I mean, they were, they were wonderful to watch, I thought. I also thought there was more attention to the basics of filmmaking than I remember seeing in any of the other films, you know. So... Um, you know, when Adam Driver's introduced and they, they kind of, you know, they give him this baronic look, this kind of like romantic 
kind of, you know, yeah, they've taken care with how they're photographing mm. the Adam Driver for TV, mm. who actually looks like a kind of a regular bloke, kind of a little bit ugly or whatever, you know, and they've turned him into this romantic evil figure, right? Like, sure. so I, I thought kind of all of those things were like really quite wonderful, really. The only thing that I was unsure of, which, and it kind of it befuddled me, was, uh, you know, the star, the, the, the young actress who's playing... Daisy Ridley. Yeah, The Last Jedi, because I get her confused with Kira Knightley. Daisy Ridley can't deliver a line in peacetime. She's really good, I think, when, when she gets angry and when yes. her character's got something to fight for. But when it's just a kind of pretty regular dialogue scene, I find her so difficult to, 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 to buy, basically. Yeah. I can't listen to her. Well, for me, the interesting thing is I, I shut my eyes and I really hear Kira Knightley. It's the same voice. It's the same accent. Right. And then what, the other thing, though, is that I, I personally find Kira Knightley is so astonishingly beautiful. You know, whereas... Um, I don't. Yeah, I know. Kind of, there's a lot of hate for Kira Knightley. But I don't hate her. <laughs> I don't hate well, her. I just, and I certainly just don't hate that, the way she looks. But I, she, she's just... <laughs> she's, she, you can't... Um, uh, you can't criticise Kira Knightley for not taking advantage of, of her opportunities because I don't think she's very good, basically. I think she has been good in things. Um, but but anyway, yeah, that's, not, that's another discussion. Uh, Daisy Ridley, I think, is also not very good, essentially. Uh, Although she has quite... Uh, but no, actually, that's unfair. I think she's it's, better than Kira Knightley. When yeah, she probably she, is. She's... <laughs> I, I, no, I, yes, I, I was going to say, I, was just, I, I think I'm being unfair to her because actually, when she gets angry and when she... Uh, she really gives herself to the scene. There's a few moments where she just kind of screams mm. quite gutturally, and that's those are quite sort of uh, they connected with me. You yeah. know, I, I got a felt. You know, she she her character um, kind of feeling, feeling rage and anger and determination, everything in these really properly. It's like in Three Hundred, you know, where he goes, "This is Spartan." It's so stupid, but actually, she's <laughs> like you, they're giving themselves so much to the scene. You really buy it, I think. Mm. What I really loved about the film was actually that they make a young woman, you know, the last Jedi. Yeah, it turns a lot of it, it turns a lot of things upside down in the series in a way that I find interesting. So, you know, one of the things that I hated about kind of the recent ones, and actually, the, you know, there was a period in which I read, the, you know, all the novelizations and novels because, mm. you know, Star Wars created this whole world, so there was a lot of novels that sprung out of it and so on, right? And it all made it seem like, you know, one of those medieval, you know, sagas where it's all about blood, right? Yeah, so, sure. you know, if you so it's, it really is about an, a, a, an aristocratic attitude to the world that if you've got the right blood, you know, you'll be a Jedi and you'll save the world and yeah. otherwise you can die, right? You're nothing, yeah. right? Whereas I thought what this film was, that was so interesting is it turns that on its head. It really puts all of its faith in women because, yeah. because the... the there are, there are a couple of goals which are you got to protect Princess Leia. Yes. She's imperative and she's a woman. And then Daisy Ridley goes off to find Luke Skywalker and he says, like, I'm no use to you. Yes. Like, I'm not here to help you. So so displaces that sort of... That, that masculine dependence again. Yes. And then when Finn, when John Boyega's off on his mission... Right, he can't do it without the little girl he finds just yes. hanging around in the bay yes. because she's the one that can hack into the, I, the computer. It sort of makes a hero out of women, yeah. like left, right and centre. I, lo- I loved all of that. 
you know, the Laura Dern character is, 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 is part of that as well, right? So, the, you know, the person who sacrifices herself, yeah, yeah it's kind of the Laura Dern character. Yeah, so actually, I, I In a really unmasculine way, and they yes. really make a point of that as well, which it, is that the guys are always off trying to fight and trying to be the hero, and the, the sort of the women just sort of bubble under the surface and, and actually just end up doing what's right, yes. whether they get the, the props for it or not. She's strong and stable. <laughs> I also thought um, the whole racial thing was unimaginable when the first series came out you know mm. like so, so which, I mean think about it you know the first Star Wars comes out in, in, in 1977 and all the protagonists are blonde you know yeah like they they are yeah. and actually it's when they go into other worlds that you see different kinds of people and really all those different kinds of people are muppets or whatever right mm. whereas actually this is a really multiracial star wars and and there was a, a a while in the film when i thought well the reason why it's multiracial is because they probably got chinese financing or something but then kind of you know when um uh uh, uh the Last Jedi and uh, the John Boyega character kind of embrace, you think, oh, well, you know, kind of, you know, that's quite a, a, um, a major thing in a, in, a, in a kind of a major franchise like this, you know, to have it kind of be multiracial in a way, mm-hmm. you know, that's not just relegating kind of, you know, uh, um, ethnic people to supporting parts, right? And kind of where there's a multiracial kind of romance at the heart of it. I thought that was quite mm. amazing. I think this film, because uh, people really commented on it uh, in, in the, the Force Awakens, and that's because it was the first Star Wars in years. You're introducing a whole set of new characters, so people really notice, oh, well, you're making a girl the hero. No, you're making a black guy the hero. And, mm. and so people really noticed it and said, oh, you being, you're being you know, overly sensitive, or whatever, however they decided to criticise it or, mm. or praise it. This film has an advantage in that that's basically all been set up. Mm. So now you know the characters and it's not, it's not really a question of that anymore. You're just getting on with the characters mm. you already have. Although, as you said, they do bring in a whole set of, of, of new characters and they are variously... Uh, Several of them are Chinese, mm. um, or, or, or kind of a East Asian origin, I guess. Um, the, the the film is kind of less pointing at that, and actually, uh, you just don't really question it. I think. No, but I, I, I what I noticed more actually was the age of uh, uh, Princess Leia and her second in command, Lord Ern character. Yes. What I really noticed was was those two partially being women, but partially being kind of old women. Yes. Right? Um, and, and they're kind of noticeably old and wrinkly and, uh, and these kind of elder stateswomen, if you mm. like, but who are nonetheless totally in charge. Um, I, I kind of noticed that more, I guess. I felt like that was more interesting. They really give you that when they're just spending like probably like five minutes of airtime just on hand shots. And it's just, like, <laughs> it's just like someone's young hand touching someone's old hand and some yeah. guy's hand touching some girl's yeah. hand and then there's a gloved hand and then there's a dream hand and it's just like... You really notice it. And, the, and you know, because obviously there's a passing on of things, mm. right? Of the struggle, of hope, of whatever. Mm. But um, speaking of the Laura Dern, Carrie Fisher thing, I also thought it was very unusual to have two women of that age, you know, being in positions of power, commanding things, and, yeah, being the figures of authority, and also kind of, you know, the hand-holding between them, the, mm. like the mutual knowledge and support between them, right? Yeah. I thought that was kind of un- very unusual to see in a film like this. Yeah, I noticed I, that too. I really appreciate that. There's one particular scene late t- towards the end, I think, where the, the two of them... It's, it's the scene where um, 
Laura Dern says, I'm going to stay behind. Yes. And, the, and you get this real feeling that there's, there's a real history between mm. them and they've been old friends for a long time. And, um, and despite the fact that you haven't, you know, she's a new character in this. Yes. Um, but it, it feels so rich yes. uh, from very, very little. I think it's great. You know what I disliked most? <laughs> uh, uh, the little fucking bird things? No, no, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's some merchandise you can buy. <laughs> because they were invented for it. I know, but they were a good joke, though. You know, and they were fun to see. We'll maybe come back to that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, come on. Come on. What, um, did, what did you hate the most? What, what I thought was flawed in the film was the Mark Hamill character. Really. Luke Skywalker, he's called. Luke, <laughs> Luke Skywalker. Um, obviously, he's central to the whole saga and everything. You know, and and the thing about Mark Hamill is that if you examine what he does, I mean, he does everything well. So, you know, when he cries or when he's meant to cry, he does actually cry and so on. But I just think, I just think he's not good enough. You know, he's not, he's not charismatic enough. And also there's something about his body in a heroic part. Yeah, that he just doesn't carry it off. You know, you can't imagine him like, yeah, there's something trying to be evoked by having like, you know, this lonely warrior in this island, in exile, kind of, mm. you know, struggling with his conscience. And actually, I just don't see... I see what the film is trying to do, but I don't think uh, uh, Mark Hamill emanates that. So I feel this struggle in the sense that I think it's lovely to have him return in a, in a central part, mm. you know, to the series. On the other hand, you wonder, if, well, maybe there was a reason why he wasn't so involved in the earlier ones. Like, I actually don't think he carries it off. What do you think? Wasn't so involved in the prequels where his character hadn't been born yet. His character—he couldn't have been in the prequels. Okay, Fair. but I see, I know what you mean. I see what you mean. Like he—he he obviously, when they bring Luke back, which they can't not do, really. It's you know, it's set in a world in which Luke uh, still exists. You have no choice but to use Mark Hamill, and I kind of get what you mean. It's like he—he's missing a certain X factor that really convinces you. Of his character, despite the fact that actually he's he's just putting in the work and and yeah. kind of putting doing a good job. I kind of like the I like him as a kind of he, he's basically becoming what Obi Wan was at the start, this hermit. That uh, although Obi Wan, you know, is kind of still very much involved in wanting to do stuff, whereas Luke is uh, he's given up on everything. Mm. But uh, he's kind of becoming that sort of hermit character who's who's old and kind of weak and. Um, I'm kind of uncharismatic. Like... <laughs> I believe in him. I don't know. Do I believe in him. I like. I like the fact that, that when he stood opposite Kylo Ren at the end, mm. um, you, you. I mean, I kind of felt like he looked really right, and that he he looked interesting. He he didn't. He shouldn't have looked like a warrior because he's an old old man. But nonetheless, he's he an kind old, of, old Jedi. He's an old, old Jedi, but Jedi but, Knight. But he's an old <laughs> man still, who, who's not been doing it for a long, long time, and 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 now he's 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 been convinced to come back to it and to stand up for what he believes, um, kind of deep down. So he shouldn't really be physically imposing, but he has the you know he conveys that determination and that kind of putting every ounce of what's left in him into the fight. Okay. That's why I, I, I like that. Okay. What yeah. I did think was interesting is it's uh, in the there's a game called Star Wars Battlefront, which is this kind of shoot this online thing, and you get to play uh, as um, I, I've never played it, but I don't know exactly, but I, be, I think basically it kind of you have these huge Star Wars fights where everyone is a stormtrooper or a rebel, 
and then sometimes you get to be Darth Vader or you get to be Luke or you get to be Leia and those heroes are like super overpowered in the game uh-huh. like when you see Darth Vader you just run away because he's going to immediately merge you like it's that kind of level of overpoweredness and I've never really got that from the films with Luke you definitely got it with Darth Vader mm-hmm. that was his whole thing and they built it really well in those uh, original trilogy but you never got that with Luke. Like he was always, despite the fact he became the kind of resistance symbol, he was always kind of a kid yes. who was a decent fighter and a decent pilot. But in, in, I never felt it. And then in the games, it's like if you see Luke, you run because yes. he's going to get you. Because he um, wasn't played by Mark Hamill. I think that's kind of, in a way, in a way, like it somehow comes across in the game from what I've seen. In a way that it doesn't in the films. And it's it's kind of bizarre because the films are this film is then trying to say this is how incredible he was and what a legend he was. And actually, it's kind of suggesting a kind of legend of Luke, which I don't think was ever quite conveyed in the previous films. I don't know. I don't know. Um... I think if I hadn't seen those clips of, of the game... <laughs> of showing actually what a badass he was. Well, I, would, I wouldn't believe it from this film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I what I remember from you know the novels and so on is that he does develop into that kind of figure, and obviously, like Leia and him are like twins, mm. and so on. So, um, I I just think that you know, to me, Mark Hamill doesn't physically convey that. Uh, so I don't know, Matt. What did you think of Mark Hamill? Let's begin there. <laughs> uh, I guess I didn't really think about him because because as Mike says, there's no really there's not there's not really any avoiding that that he has to show up and he has to he has to do his bit and and he has to be like is he the last Jedi like that's sort mm. of what what he symbolizes. Um, but but I'm not sure what what you maybe brushed upon just earlier on that like you said that he's he's well he's isolated himself and he's given up i'm not sure that he ever did give up i think he's always trying to do what he thinks is right mm. but but he never really knows exactly what that is and he always needs this guidance and that's perhaps where where his development has arrested is that he he never sort of thought enough for himself or did what he thought was the right thing to do he was always sort of guided by by what what everyone else wanted him to do so I think that when he shut himself away, it was because he genuinely believed that 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 this thing had to die and everything had to start again mm. until Yoda comes along or or another Jedi comes along or there's there's this sign that there's like a big evil force coming along to sort of remind him that maybe he does actually still have a part to play. It is Yoda, isn't it? In the end, his master comes back. Well, he wasn't his master. Obi Wan was his master, but, yeah. you know, but the um, ultimate master. Well, comes actually, back no, Yoda, Yoda was so... the guy who first trained him, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, really? sure. When he um, went to Dagobah, um, so you're right. Yeah, Yoda comes back. Yoda to, comes back and says, "You've him. been wrong all this time. Yes. <laughs> You've actually <laughs> still got to do something. You can't just sit here and this is not going to brush over." Like, I didn't like the book. As soon as I saw those books, so so he has this on the island where he's isolated himself. Um, there's this uh, this kind of burnt out temple that contains these books. These the original Jedi texts, um, and he goes to burn them and say this all this all needs to die. And then Yoda comes along 
and burns them for him to say, you don't need these, you never needed these. I, hate I hated that because I thought, oh, but it's that thing of, they oh, show up on the Falcon, it don't they? <laughs> like, I'm sure there's a scene where John Boyega like opens this little locker on the Falcon and they're just inside because Daisy Ridley's already nicked them. I, I think I there's like a really I, like, notice that I think there's a really brief glancing shot of that so I suspect that what's happened is that Yoda's come along and known that these books aren't in there and gone do you know what I'm just going to screw with you a little bit well, let's, well, let's burn I, down I, I everything that so. you think is Yoda sacred. has that element term of oh it's a scam am I yeah precisely, precisely. <laughs> well I hope so because advocating you know book burning when it's like the, the, the last five books that contain all the knowledge of the you know is yeah. really like Terrible. Yes, sacrilegious, isn't it? Anyway, Matt, since we have you here, um, what did you think of the design of the uh, film? Yeah, I think that that was really its strength. And like I say, I think that they sort of, they kept it quite tight and it was really, really neat because of it. So... Were there any images that kind of stood out for you or that, you know, that you found particularly memorable or any sets? Like, which parts of the film kind of stand out for you in terms of uh, design? I think that the strengths are always the bits where they're on ships. And I think that the... the 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 way that they just go to town on all of those is is always something to behold uh-huh. and those are the bits where you most believe that they're that they're in outer space uh-huh. that they that they are in a galaxy far far away because other than that they always do tend to feel stifled by it looking like they've just found a nice bit of the earth yes. that they can pretend is another planet <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it's I normally think, morocco yeah uh, <laughs> I, I think that that was <laughs> this time it looked like scotland actually yeah. <laughs> i think i think the island where uh, where luke is is ireland is ireland i believe mm, so yeah. but, if, but uh, in all those other films like tattooing was always um, tunisia i think i love the way that they've used <laughs> deserts in the past and i think that that works really well yeah um but but I think that on this, the the ships were really something special. And then I thought that the sort of the Gatsby-esque casino was, was really, really stunning. I if a little that. totally shoehorned in. I thought, I thought the, the costumes in that casino scene, right? Like the care that they take with the costumes and the hairdos and the jewellery, mm. right? I thought it was phenomenal. I yeah. kind of it's the best I've seen in the whole series. Um, you know, but it, was, it really had to be, didn't it, to convey what the essence of that place was? Yes. Which was that it was this like gratuitous excess yes. and the richest of the rich. And I thought, and the message of the film in relation to that is so interesting as well because it's got a real kill the rich message, right? Mm. You know, you only ever get this rich by basically selling arms and killing millions of people. So, boom. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite an astonishing message to find in a big budget film. I yeah. thought them. I well, I mean, I, that was obviously kind of there, but um, I don't think that's that's not the central message of the film. Um, I think there's so much to do with sacrifice and actually kind of stupid sacrifice. People constantly throwing themselves at things on suicide missions, yeah. which and, and in some respects, like so, Laura Dern, um, her her final way to 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 save uh, the rest of the um, rebels mm. is to. Uh, kamikaze her ship at hyperspeed straight into the the giant what's it called the um, dreadnought yes. to destroy it so that's kind of a, that, that, that really matters and that means something but there's a lot of uh, uh, Finn a lot of guys who just want to yeah people kind of throw themselves in ways that they think makes them heroes Finn um, throws himself uh, at this uh, battering ram gun um, that's going to take down the door where the rebels are hiding behind um and everyone's saying this is stupid. You're going to stupid. You're not going to do anything because he has to aim right down the center as it's firing. So um, and eventually, the girl uh, 
like runs her ship into his so that he'll be knocked out of the way because it's it's an absolute suicide mission and no one respects the fact that he's doing it. It's interesting, like people and, and obviously Poe is constantly looking for a fight. He wants a scrap and just he doesn't even think about um whether he's gonna die or not and maybe he thinks that if he does die it's Leia's the one who reminds him, you know, the people that died in this fight that you got us into mm. you can call them heroes, but they're dead. Yeah. We need them. So I, I do, the message is, is kind of complex. Like I don't um, th- that that particular part of the message, um, it's kind of advocating really for just being smarter <laughs> and and looking at the bigger picture and not being so self absorbed. Think you know thinking about the people around you. Um, well, the, you know, but the, I think that, that what's interesting about that is is that it, it sort of um, I think that they sort of stress that point that that you shouldn't do. What's what's selfish and what makes you a hero is because whenever they're portraying like Sith Force, it's about this selfish pursuit of of ownership or dictatorship or being the guy at the top and ruling the galaxy. So I think that I think that they try and advocate away from trying to be the hero because that's what all of the bad guys are always striving to do is to just be the guy in charge. I took, well, that's what Adam Driver yeah. is. That's what. That's what. Yes, in what, a way. But then what Ken is after <laughs> the whole time. But um, um, but then the Empire. You've got Snoke at the top, and you've got Kylo Ren, who who is certainly very confused. Ends up kind of seizing control of, uh, yeah. of the Empire, and you've and got Hux beneath him, who, who is in control of his army. But then, the but, but then below them, they've got this huge machine of people who are just cogs mm. who and they're the people that make it work mm. yeah you know course. and they're the reason that, that throughout the entire film the rebellion is in a corner because because yeah. they, because they're, they're doing their job i yeah. think that well to me the message is um you know one of hope right that kind of you know if uh, and and they repeat it several times like you know if you what is it? What do they say? They if you know? only look at the sun, if you only think it's light when the sun's out, yeah. then you'll never get through the night or something yeah, like that. Something like that, right? And I think actually that is the message of the film, really. Mm. Yeah. So kind of, you know, they, they continue to live to fight another day, right? And actually the survival of that moment is a renewal of hope and a continued struggle, mm. right? So, you know... the I think they should have called it Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> but I don't know. They are kind of the, the, the because it certainly isn't the last Jedi. They've got three. <laughs> yes. The rebels do movie. seem to be kind of making it up as they go along, though. The rebels, like, uh, so Laura Dern character, I'm quite conflicted about because I don't know how much she's planned ahead. Right? Like, she kind of knows that they're heading towards this planet where they can send out a distress signal, and obviously Poe then kind of ruins that by being impulsive. And but then Laura Dern really should um, say what she's doing. <laughs> Right to to if you, if she wants to nip that in the bud, this kind of insurgence that we we want to go and fight them. She wants to nip that in the bud because it's going to ruin everything. Say this is what we're doing. But Keep why, your hair on. No, but you you know why would a general say that to like a captain who's just disobeyed an order? Why would you reveal the plan for the mission? Well, to why a wouldn't you? Well, just why wouldn't you? Because he's, he's because like, he should have just been in prison. Because he's revealed. Because he's just ruining everything. Put him in the brig. Well, that's true. You know, yeah. so but uh, and then, I just so think it's interesting because that's not a question you'd ask of Darth Vader. <laughs> Why don't you reveal your plan to an underling? But her plan nearly f- goes wrong. I mean, she loses loads of people. <laughs> Darth Vader never had someone beneath him who was going. Oh, I'm just going to do what I like. I'm going to look for a scrap. Um, you know, whereas I, whereas, whereas Poe was getting out of order. 
She should have gone with it. I liked her. I liked that character very much, and I liked her visually as well. You know, with the pink hair and mm. you know the kind of that slim look. Uh, she was kind of hat. yeah. She was interesting to look at, mm. right? Uh, and actually, I think that's one of the interesting things about this film that it is really interesting to look at, and it keeps you busy looking, right? Kind of all of the, the all of the scenes in the island were shot so interestingly. There was always like a tunnel, or you know, the sea on on a horizon. There, mm. yeah, there were always these frames. Mm. The battle sequences where it all kind of went red, right? Kind of you know, I thought that was like such great in Snoke's chamber. I'm thinking of the last battle. That's that's the one element of the the Rings fight at the end. That's the one thing I was going to pick up when you when you guys were describing what was your what your um, favorite visual Mm. uh, images that you took away from Rob. That was mine. Was was the the salt planet that Uh they end up on, and that it only takes you only have to scrape the surface, and there's this these blood red crystals underneath. Yes, I thought that was incredibly beautiful. Yes, Um, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. You know what I also loved, which is, it's not so much visually, it's a, it's a narrative storytelling device, but it was the approach of ships, right, which now just seem to appear, bang, 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 yeah. right? I thought, you know, I thought that was great and kind of exciting and, and kind of new. I don't think you could have done that, like, you know, without digital, yeah, kind of. So it's just the appearance of an image fueled by sound that gives the impression of something just appearing, right? Yeah, I thought that was marvellous. Yeah, and that's quite interesting because it's different to the way that battles usually take place in all movies, which mm. is that they have this enormous build-up and you see them approaching and your fear has time to grow. Yes. And, and that's the way that all of our fights have sort of existed in history. Yes. Yes. So for them to, them to just do away with that and find a new way yeah. to just make these things just show up and be threatening immediately, yeah. I think I feel, is, yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a feat. I think yes. what I like, I actually, so. it kind of, which is related to that I think um, is that uh, you're seeing ships interact in uh, a new way I don't I can't remember seeing ships in Star Wars before um, chase each other in this way because it's it you've had you've had chases and you've had dogfights but what you have here is the rebels just keeping themselves at arm's length Um, there and and the um, the Empire is sitting there with Star Destroyers and this huge dreadnought behind them um, just following them mm. and just waiting for them to, to run out of fuel. So this whole film takes place during this standoff where eventually push has to come to shove and they have to run out of fuel mm. and, and the, the, um, the Empire will catch up with them. That's, that's interesting to me because that's not... You just, these things are just hanging in space. Yeah, that's nice. Just waiting, waiting for you know, the thread to be cut and something to happen. Mm. What did you think of the central... Um struggle really between uh um now i'm forgetting the names uh um, ray is the jedi the adam driver and the last jedi kylo ren and ray okay kylo 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 ren and ray what did you think of that (laughs) um first thing i want to say is i really liked the way that so they end up kind of skyping really (laughs) um they they can they're connected by the force and um and they can speak to each other across the distance across the galaxy, and um, I love the way that they are shot as though it's a regular shot reverse shot conversation mm. where you see Kylo Ren on the ship, and there's a shot of him looking to the right and saying something, and then the reverse shot is is Ray on this isolated mm. island looking left and talking back to him. So it's like this next to each other, and that's wonderful. There's this, there's this, it it uses this classic, you know, mm. uncontroversial storytelling technique 
to connect these two people across the galaxy. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And actually it becomes something that you just totally get used to. Yeah, it's very good. But I think it's more complex than that, actually, because if you yeah. remember, there's also that moment where... What's his name again? The Adam Driver character? Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. What a stupid name. <laughs> That's why I call him Ken. <laughs> there's the moment where he looks at his gloves mm. and he, he has rain, the rain that's been on the island. Mm. right? So there's implication that he's somehow inhabited that space, right? That mm. kind of, the rain has landed on his hand. I thought you would like it because it's quite sensate, isn't it? Yes, I like that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously uh, it happens between Luke and Leia as well. They don't chat, but mm. they, they, they connect in the same visual way. But to return to my question, what did you think of that central relationship between you know, the force of evil and the force of good and how they're conflicted, how there's both in each at the moment that we are introduced to them? Yeah? Uh, sadly, I didn't actually think it was that interesting. Oh, I don't know. I didn't really connect with it. I, I, um, I still think that Kylo Ren's an interesting villain. So that was a very interesting villain when he was introduced in the previous film. I think he's um, great in this. I really do. Yeah. Um, um, I think. I think it's I, what I think is really interesting about him as a villain is that is is that you never really quite understand exactly what his motivation is because it isn't necessarily to fulfill the greatest of evils. Mm. Because if he was doing that, he'd just do what Snoke says. Yes. Because he's he's the big bad guy. Yes. Um, and, and I think that it's quite sort of interesting and, and, and there's like a rich vein to be tapped that that when he and Ray come together, they end up fighting... Well, they end up destroying Snoke. Yes. And... and and to what end? Yes. Right. Well, you see, to me, that's one of the most what's interesting it, things. What's in the his film. motivation? Why? Why does he want to rule the universe with Ray? What's? Yeah, I mean, I think at that moment when we're shown that, it's more about his feelings for her hmm. than actually destroying Snoke, right? Because it becomes a choice yeah, of it's, you it's, know. It's his perhaps his first moment of not feeling alone yes. and and uh, not feeling betrayed. Yes. And I think that that his his character is a victim of his betrayals in life for everyone that he's seen as a as a sort of a father figure or as a parental figure um, has has let him down in some way. Except this image of what Darth Vader could be. I think yes. that that's his paternal instinct is to. I think there's something, but there's a move in that, right? Because I think initially the destruction of Snoke's is fueled by his feelings for Rey. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then he thinks they're going to do something. Yeah. So then there's an attempt to convince her that they can do something together. Mm. Yeah. So it's almost like he looks at the throne and he says, it's mine now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what initially motivated the destruction of Snoke's, I don't think. It was really because the choice had become. To kill her. Yeah, yeah. or to kill him. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. I think, well, I'm thinking about it, and really, I just think Ray is a really boring character who I'm not interested in. And I like Kylo Ren, and I think his relationship with Ray is interesting, for all the reasons that you've discussed about what he thinks of her and, and what he uh, what that makes him think about himself. Um, but she's not very interesting to him. I don't care what she wants. I don't care where she comes from. In fact, the fact that it turns out that she comes from nowhere, it's revealed that her parents are just, they were just some junk traders. Um, that, you know, she's not part of this uh, you know, aristocracy of, of good and evil that the films have um, built up. 
Um, it's it kind of it makes sense because she's not very interesting. I she comes out of nowhere. I, I'm not interested in why in who, why she is who she is. Um, I see. I am, and actually, I think the film makes it into an interesting question because, you know, I think it's interesting that she's a nobody now doing these things, and it becomes even more so when you see the young stable boys. Yeah, at the end, mm. who clearly has some Jedi power as well, right? So yeah, the Harry of... Potter kid with the broom. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I get why it's kind of why it it should be interesting, but I, I don't think she is. I think she's extremely boring. Right. I was bored whenever she was on screen, to be honest, and 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 it goes along with the fact that I don't think she can deliver a line. Right. I I I, I dislike watching her, um, in every way. Um. <laughs> Um, well, let's move on. <laughs> you're, just, you're just hurt because she's not Natalie Portman. Uh, I think all women should be Natalie Portman. You're, you're putting her on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there are interesting aspects to, 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 to Carlo Ren and to their relationship. I just I find her so very boring. And I think a lot of the, lot of the film... The film's too long. Um, the film's two and a half hours long. I didn't think it was too long. I didn't, exper- I didn't experience it as long. Uh, everything towards the end of the film starts to uh, become more significant, and that's the reason I think you you. But but for a long stretch, um, sort of early and in the middle, I was very bored really because um, yeah, there's just a lot of you. stuff happening. Mm-hmm. There there are these kind of uh, small errands really they have to run to, to to build the story. So like they have to go and get when when they they get in touch with Maz who was introduced in the last film the goggle-eyed woman, and they say, where can we find someone who's going to help us get onto yeah. the um, the dreadnought uh, to, to, to remove this tractor beam thing, this 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 tracer beam? Uh, she says, you've got to go find the master... What's he called? The master, master coder. The master code guy. And I'm going, like, when she says master code guy, I'm like, it's, it's literally just, here's 20 minutes of a bit of plot that we are going to have to do. Yeah. What will Star Wars like, fans ex- like? Let's put some of that in. Yeah, there. here's a side quest. I think go that's... off on this and spend some time... I really hated that because I thought, why waste this? T- is it just a? It's that, not. It's not a huge. Obviously, why. they go to this planet and stuff happens, and then the kids on it come back at the end and so on and so forth. And the relationship between Finn and the girl he's with is is developed. Yes, but it is still. There's a lot of of bits of business mm. stuff happening sure. that that aren't really that significant. In but a I like sense. that, and I think it is significant because a we're introduced to the Benicio del Toro character, the master coder, who a is marvelous. Yeah, I kind of. I thought, don't be biased because you're Hispanic. No, I, just, I think he is marvellous. <laughs> don't, don't be biased because he's definitely the best guy in this whole movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, not true. that's not true. I no, think um, Gleason was, I reckon, actually. No, I think I think Adam Driver's great. I think Adam Driver's great. I think Benicio del Toro is great, and he's so charismatic, and you know he's no. born for that part. And I don't think he's bad, but he's not. He's special. fantastic. No. And he introduces another kind of moral dimension to the film. He's right? a, he's the new uh, he's the new Boba Fett, isn't he? Yeah. He's the new gun for hire yes. character who who's like just destined for greater significance in the Star Wars universe. I think. I, I hope so. I hope we see him again. But actually, what he what he introduces is you know the notion that you know kind of embodied by Bogart or something. You know, people who've seen the war and say, well you know, this is shit and that shit and really kind of you just got to survive and kind of skate through this, right? And all kind of these idealist and moral positions are all kind of bullshit. That's what he's signifying. So actually he straddles, you know, that that 
opposition between like good and evil, right? And he kind of glides underneath it. And I do, th- I do think it sets up resonances in the narrative. It's not just about, you know, being a rebel or, you know, this black force, right? Mm. Kind of, you know, there's another way, which is to not care, to just survive. Mm. So yeah. it's not idle. Yeah, but I, I think I think you are overstating how good Benicio de Toro is. I, I mean, he's not I guess he's not bad, but I I didn't come away from going. Oh, he stole the scene. He didn't. Well, I thought he was he fine. stole the scenes he was in. Well, he's not stealing the other <laughs> one, is he? <laughs> I really think he stole the scene where they were riding around on horses for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I just think. Well, I mean, that's kind of not the him there. I still think there is too much stuff. For a long yeah. time, that feels quite inconsequential or, or, or directionless. I couldn't agree more, and that's why when you asked me at the start what I thought about it, I was a little trepidatious because uh-huh. I still think that there's that there's like forty minutes that you can just probably bring down to ten. Okay, well you, you know you may be right. I mean, I wouldn't want to be the one to make that <laughs> to, to do that edit. I wouldn't yeah. be the one who because obviously this the film is very full. Yes, but what it's full of early on, I think is doesn't have enough connective tissue or, or not enough of a driving force behind it that later on comes in when things start to feel more climactic and more significant. Obviously, they can't feel climactic the whole way through. Well, so. A, I don't necessarily disagree, you know, but I also think it's the best Star Wars movie that I remember, you know. Best in episode five. Yes. Which, which you love. Well, yes, I, uh, um, I, yeah, I kind of, you know, that had been my favorite one until this one. Uh, I like this one better. Uh, so, and maybe that's just not saying very much about the Star Wars films, right? So, mm. because I don't think you're necessarily wrong. I think there is a lot of stuff and so on. But actually, I kind of, you know, I, I, I love looking at it. I love the action. I love the worlds it created. I loved the fact that, the, you know, there were more characters and they were doing really interesting things with them, right? Um, so, yeah, so maybe it's just, you know, Star Wars films really aren't very good and this is the best <laughs> of a bad lot. But I liked it. Yeah, you could tell. You could tell. Um, you could see Ryan Johnson's kind of controlling hand mm. behind it. He's got quite a strong control of tone throughout the whole thing. I think. Mm. I mean, the thing about um, uh, the way that he cuts across galaxies to have conversations happen as if yes. they're next to each other it reminded me of Looper, actually, uh-huh. where um, there's that scene in Looper where uh, Paul Dano's character. Uh, in the future, he's uh, Paul Dano's characters come back from the future to when he's younger, and he's now trying to escape. So what they do is they the bad guys capture Paul Dano's younger character and start cutting body parts off, and that they, those changes in his body are immediately related to the old guy, who just loses a leg, just mm. disappears. Mm. Uh, there's this wonderful thing of like he something happening across time instantly. Mm. And that and that reminds me of that. Although it's not happening across time, it's happening across space, across great distances. But it's like it's you're right there. It reminded me of it, um, and I think uh, there is there is great control of of tone and of space and of you're never confused by anything mm. um, to a point early on. I think I mean, it's kind of patronising at points where they're like they were explaining everything through dialogue so heavily. Mm. We have to go here. This is the last ship. We have to get this one away. You go just chill out. Like I'm not five, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, I think it's kind of. It, um, I felt that it's there's there's such a level of control and competence mm. behind what you're being shown. Uh, there's nothing's really left to chance. Everything seems to be down to decision. Although I, I, I don't like, I don't like some of the jokes. Actually, I think more of the jokes fall flat than land. And there are moments where the jokes undercut scenes which would be better 
if they were fully dramatic. Like for instance, when I think Ray's practicing or something, and the, and there's a there's a bit where it's a bit. I think it's the bit where Luke kind of goes, "Oh my God, you're scarily powerful. You're as powerful as Ben Solo was, and I can't train you because you're just you should not you know um, you, this should not be unleashed." And there's a and then there's a, I can't remember what it was. There was a little joke put into it, and thought in between this, like that's not the place for a joke. This is supposed to be so dramatic. Right. The, the I, Avengers effect, I call it, because <laughs> the Avengers is just this sequence of five minute like skits put together where you have a punch and a joke and then like a glance to camera and uh, it just it just uh, repeats that for three hours. Uh, yeah. I think that there was and a there was a lot of stuff of that. with that fucking bird thing. Oh yeah. That everyone's going nuts over on the internet. A porg, I think it's called, and it's and it's it just get the birds out of my film. They're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you've been complaining, and yet you came out of the cinema and you started with your lightsaber. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they gave yeah. they gave me a bit Let's of paper. Let's not forget that, that it exists to sell toys. <laughs> they gave me a bit of paper that I could roll up into a lightsaber. What am I supposed to do? Just leave it. <laughs> Maybe I am fine. Oh. Well, I think that you know, it's a kind of the film incites that mood, right? So that's a good thing. It's kind of as a, yeah, as a compliment to the film. I didn't film. have a bad time. I didn't have a great time. I felt it kind of plodded along in some respects. I do think that I'm kind of over Star Wars in some respects, like I was from the last one. Well, when I saw the last film, right, and it was the first time stars had been out in, in 10 years or something, and it said Star Wars at the start and the music came in, I felt something, man. I felt like, oh my God, Star Wars is back. And now I felt when when Star Wars came up at the start and the music happened, I didn't actually feel anything. I ah. think I'm done with Star Wars, although I will continue to see it. Well, see, I, I felt rather different because I I saw the film when it came out. It, I was 15 when it came out, and I didn't think much of it then. But I realized, like, what did, what is that now? From 1977 to now, it's 40, 40 years. 40 years, right? So you know, here's a here's a world that's now 40 years old. And I think this film has revived it and given it kind of a power and force that to me it didn't have until now. Like, you know, I think it's one of the most interesting of the, of the Star Wars films yeah. in a way that it hasn't been for 40 years. So it's quite likely that it will continue another 40 years. And actually, for the first time, I think, well, that might not be a bad thing. It's definitely found new, interesting things to mine, mm. new themes and, and new characters and a new um, relationships. A new relationship and a new kind of style and tone yes. in the way it tells its story. And and I can't underline the fact of it being multiracial, you know, how important I feel that is. Yeah. And actually how almost inconceivable it was in nineteen seventy seven. If you see the casting in nineteen seventy seven and you see the casting now it's like worlds apart. It's in another galaxy. <laughs> I think far, far away. <laughs> Here with us now. <laughs> I wonder what Once you think... far, far away. <laughs> I wonder what you think about the idea that it's full of ghosts. This is something I really noticed throughout it. People are constantly talking oh, to that's ghosts. that's interesting, yes. Um, or appearing as ghosts. And then, and then right at the very end, Luke projects himself as a ghost that can't be yes. killed. And then, and then, and then and, somehow dies, though. And Carrie Fisher is a ghost, in a way, right? That's very harsh. That's, that's very insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> How do you mean she's a ghost? Carrie Fisher is dead. How do you mean Carrie Fisher's a ghost? Well, because she's dead. Oh, so this oh is we actually last, did mean that. This is her last appearance, right? Everyone's conscious of it, yeah. Hmm. So, so actually, there is a spectral quality to the film as a whole. That I think it's an interesting idea that you've mentioned. Hmm. And how are they going to get out of that one? Yes. Well, That'll just, be the just, most interesting thing. I'll just say in the opening crawl. In the opening crawl, Leia has sadly passed away. We all miss her very much. <laughs> <laughs> I found it really cheap. <laughs> 
smooth. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> okay, uh, final uh, evaluation of the film. Would you advise people to see it? Would you recommend it? Do you think it's any good? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I... I, think I uh, <laughs> it sort of is. You know, it, it does... It, it starts to build up some real tempo and... Um, the characters start to... You really feel the characters. And, and towards the end of the film, when you're cutting between these three different places, when you've got uh, Finn and, and the girl trying to do the one thing, and you've got uh, Ray doing the other thing, you've got the resistance. It cuts between them very effectively and, and builds a, a pretty great climax. Mm-hmm. And the scene, you know, they, they end up on, 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 the, on the salt between um, Kylo and Luke. I think it's terrific, and I think the twist in it is great. I mean, if people, you know, if you if you're listening to this for a recommendation, we spoiled it. So. Right. But I think that twist is really good. I didn't expect that. Okay, Matt, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not too sure because because I, I guess I didn't really know what I was going into it, like expecting, and I didn't come away I didn't come away feeling any different to that. Like I still I still don't really know. Mm. I still don't really know too much about like whether this is a film that adds something to what the fans want or to what people who love cinema want. Like it's mm-hmm. it's this weird sort of pastiche of things where it's 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 got like elements of of all of these things, but mm-hmm. perhaps none of them really come together. Okay, well, as a, for me, it's my favorite of the bunch. I kind of you know, as you pointed out, Matt, there's a real kind of female-centeredness about this film that feels kind of very interesting and unusual. I love the multiracial casting and what the film does with it. I love the look and the design of it. And actually, some of the ways that this, you know, some of the action bits are terrific. So, um, it's, it's really my, my favourite of the bunch. So I, I, I acknowledge the faults that you both have with it. I think it has a there. good director. I think it has uh, the right director, actually. Because uh, when J.J. Abrams made the last one, it... All of J.J. Abrams' films feel like each other, or they feel like they all live in the same universe. And because he did Star Trek, I think that's a problem. Mm. Like, it's not about whether one's better than the other, whether Star Trek is better than Star Wars or vice versa, but they can't feel the same. Mm. And this feels like Star Wars in a way that the last film actually kind of didn't, I think. This feels more authentically Star Wars in a way. I don't really know how to convey it otherwise, but, like, the last film felt like it knew it was Star Wars, and this film feels like it is Star Wars. A good (laughs) note. Well, thank you very much, Matt. No problem. <laughs>